My name is Matthew Vidal. My name is Rick Vidal. I'm from Miami, Florida, and I work for Google. Okay, Matt. I'm from Long Island, New York, and I work for Nickelodeon. I am a practicing Catholic. I go to church every Sunday and on Holy Days of Obligation. Rick? Yes, as well. I'm a practicing Catholic, and I go with Matt on Sundays to Mass. I always like to say that I didn't actually come out. I, I pretty much knew that I was gay once I started going through puberty. Um, and it's awkward because a lot of people obviously assumed that I was straight. I remember very vividly the first time I even learned that, the, that Christianity preached anything about gays was watching something on Ricky Lake, ironically. Someone in the audience stood up and said something to someone that was on the stage, you know, the Bible says that you can't be gay. And I was so shocked and taken aback, and, and I looked at the verse that he quoted, it was the Leviticus verse, and um, I immediately called the church, and I asked to meet with this pastor friend who was a friend of the family, and I sat down with him, and he was always so kind and welcoming. He knew everything about me anyway, about school and my life, and I think I pretty much came right out and said to him, you know, Father, I'm gay, and I uh, am learning that the Christian church, the Catholic church, um, has some difficult thoughts on homosexuality and what does that mean for me? And I remember he actually told me something that was really impactful. I still carry it with me to this day. He told me, St. Paul often writes about a thorn that's in his side and no one knows what that thorn was. But some scholars have speculated that it could have been something like this, you know, a same-sex attraction or something that, you know, was preached against in his community. And St. Paul became one of the, you know, a huge inspiration in spreading Christ's message and, and growing the church. And he's now one of the biggest saints of the church. So he said, you know, all that matters is that your soul is good with God. You know, the first commandment is to love one another, to love God and to love one another. And he said, you're doing that and you'll be fine. I was really fortunate to be a part of a parish that was always very encouraging, always very open. Uh, and like I said, this priest was a friend of the family. So our conversation went very smoothly. He couldn't have been better at welcoming me. And his, his, you know, concern, for lack of a better word, was helping me to come out to my family. You know, what would that look like? How should I do it? What's the right way to do it? Um, through feedback from him and through to other friends, ultimately I decided I should tell my parents, even though my brothers didn't have to, I, I should tell my parents and I should do it before I left the house to go to college because I didn't want every time I came home from college to be like a charged moment of me having to sit down and tell this big story to my parents. So. It was a lot harder than I thought it would be, and I remember I tried to make it perfect. Um, I took my mom to see a Broadway show. It was actually Jesus Christ Superstar, ironically. <laughs> and uh, we saw the show, and then, you know, at lunch I didn't want to ruin the moment, so it didn't come up. And then we went to dinner, and I didn't want to ruin the moment, so it didn't come up. And we went back to Long Island, and I just told myself, I have to do this. I have to do this. So we were driving home from the train, and I actually parked the car Com completely coincidentally, I parked the car in the parking lot of our church. And we're from Rockwell Center, which is the archdiocese uh, out on Long Island. And so our church is the cathedral. It's a beautiful view of the, of the stained glass window of, of uh, Jesus crucified. And again, it was completely coincidental, but we were sitting there and, and my mom knew I had to say something. So she said, you know, what's going on? You know, you, all day long you've been wanting to say something. And I said, yeah, I'm about to tell you something that's going to change the way you look at me forever. And she just had this look of panic in her face. She didn't know what I was about to say. And I said, I'm gay. And she said, oh, that's it? She goes, I can't.
can't believe it. I thought that you were going to tell me that you murdered someone or you committed a crime or <laughs> you did something wrong. And I said, no, no, but it's not the life that you probably thought I was going to be leading. And she said, no. She said, that doesn't change the way I look at you at all. And, you know, she, and then she said, the only thing I want to make sure is that you're good with your soul. And so I talked to her about how I had spoken to that priest who was our pastor and she was really happy about it. And through the years and through, over time, she's, you know, been a great advocate. I grew up in a very close-knit Cuban Catholic my, uh, community in Miami. So um, both my family were very, very close, but very much a male, you know, dominated culture. Um, and I was the only boy, so I was the favorite, I like to say. <laughs> um, and, you know, I grew up in all Catholic school up through high school up until going to college. It was uh, elementary was boys and girls, but in high school, Christopher Columbus High School, so it was all boys. Very conservative. Um, and it wasn't that necessarily growing up there was anyone either through school or in my family that said anything outright, specifically saying, you know, I hate gays. Um, but believe it or not, I'm, I'm very much was a child that internalized everything and is constantly reflecting still as an adult. And just little comments about anything, you know, sort of pile up in the back of your head. And, um, you know, we grew up also like another aspect of the Cuban culture is very much like making your parents proud and all those things combined just and internalizing all of the messages that I was having was absolutely was you can't come out, right? It's just not going to be accepted at all. So um, in my head, what I told myself is, you know, I'm going to, I come from a long line of physicians. I'm going to prove to my parents that if I can follow down in the footsteps of my father and be just as successful, um, then by the time that I come out, they won't care. And the larger community also won't care because I will already have proven how successful I am. So I waited. I went to medical school. I found aspects of medicine that I was passionate about, but it wasn't really what I wanted to do a long-term career, but I pursued it for this reason, right? To really prove this to my family. And uh, it wasn't until I was in my third year of medical school um, through the program and doing really well that I decided this is it. So um, I came home and I had a, by that point I had some friends in medical school that I had come out to that were very supportive. So I came home, told my parents um, to sit down very privately without my sisters in the room because I knew my sisters would be very relaxed about it and said, um, you know, I have something, you know, serious to tell you guys about. And I mean, I was trembling. Um, I mean, still thinking about that moment, you know, so nervous about it. And um, my mother immediately, who is very dramatic, <laughs> stood up, you know, and stood and came around to the other side of the table because she was just getting nervous. She thought it was going to be something really serious. My father sat down next to me and she said, oh, my God. I, I use the Cuban accent. So I'm sorry. She goes, mm -hmm. oh, my gosh. You know, did you get a girl pregnant? And I was like, no. <laughs> she said, you're dropping out of medical school. And I said, no. And she's like, well, what is it? I can't think of anything else that, you know, could be so bad and so serious for you having to sit us down like this. And I said, I'm gay. And um, by that point, I was already, you know, tearing up and crying. And she immediately, you know, smiled and just said, that's it. I have a million other things to do. I don't care. <laughs> so she was very just humorous about it, very relaxed. My father, which is interesting, um, and he and I have a good relationship, but he's not as you know, talkative and outgoing as my mom. He was much more sensitive. So he actually 
pulled me over um, and gave me a hug and just said, this is so okay with us. So Rick and I met on MySpace back in the days before Facebook was cool. Um, Match.com and eHarmony at the time didn't allow gay couples to meet each other. So Rick was studying medicine and business at UPenn in, Pennsylvania, in Philadelphia. And I was here studying law in New York. And uh, it was interesting because I was actually on a hiatus from dating. I just decided the dating scene in New York was too difficult. And I, I was you know, not dating anymore for a bit, just focusing on my studies. And then Rick. And I had abandoned the dating scene in Philadelphia. Yeah. So I was actually actively, knowing that I was graduating soon, actively looking for New York. So they had all of the different filters back then in MySpace, which were awesome. you know. You could say, you know, you were seeking another, another uh, man, um, what city. Um, I actually looked for someone specifically that wasn't a graduate program or graduating from a graduate program. You could be that specific. Yeah, it was a great search. So, it was, uh, so he honed it down, found me, and he wrote me a message that wasn't like, you know, those trite messages that you sometimes get that was like, hi, we should go on a date. We started uh, emailing back and forth and we really liked each other. And then uh, we started IMing and phone calling. It's sort of very traditional. <laughs> and, uh, and then after about a month of that, Rick came to New York for a weekend uh, because he had other plans here. And it was really just to go on his first date with me. And we hit it off very well. And <laughs> the first date. <laughs> was that? It was a date. It was, yeah. yeah. It was totally a first date. And then, <laughs> and then every other weekend after that, we visited. In fact, just two weekends after that, I think when I was in New York, is when I met your mom. Yeah, yeah. And at that point already, she asked me, oh, okay, when are you guys moving in together? <laughs> <laughs> she did. And she was... And she will tell you, if, if you have the benefit of meeting her, she will tell you that that very first time that she saw that me she and Rick, that she knew that we were going to be together forever. Yeah. <laughs> and that's right. That was two weeks after we met for the first time. <laughs> yeah. And then I knew you were Catholic. Um, and in fact, that was my, one of my mom's two requirements after yeah. I came out. She said, okay, all I want is that he knows Spanish and that he's Catholic. You know, I definitely want someone who has, you know, their views and their faith and, you know, their point of view. We actually got engaged on 678, so yeah. June 7th of 2008. Yeah. So we had been dating for about a year and a half, year almost and a half. almost two years, a little shy of two years. Our proposal story is kind of amazing. Rick is really, really great at romantic surprises. So um, so we had discussed, and we already knew that we wanted to get married, or, or we were the person for each other. I love to do surprises, and I love to do creative things. And he said, okay, well, you better get your act together quick, because if you don't do it by the time I want to do it, then I'm going to do it. So I got my plan into action, and um, I wanted to present him with 100 reasons why we should get married. And I wanted it to be something that was very much a community. I gathered from our closest, 50 closest friends and family, their 50 reasons of why we should get married and a photo um, that expressed who they were um, to us. And uh, I cleared all the furniture out of the apartment. We had this you know, very modern building type of apartment with all glass front windows. And I hung candles everywhere and blew up, emptied the entire apartment. All the furniture was gone, so it looked like a gallery, and blew up the photos of those 50 closest friends and family all over the apartment. And as soon as I walked to the apartment, it was completely empty, as you said. It was this beautiful sight. It looked like a gallery. Our song was playing, and there was this big sign that just said, here are 50 of the 100 reasons we should get married. And I just, I just started crying, <laughs> and I just sort of froze, and didn't know if anyone was there. And they weren't, and I sort of just walked in, and it was this surreal experience of just sort of 
he, since the room was empty, it was just our, our song was echoing everywhere. And everywhere were just these beautifully placed pictures of our friends and family just like smiling at me. It was so moving. And so I went up and, you know, one by one, I went through the whole apartment reading the 50 reasons for why we should get married and sobbed, obviously. And then when I got to the last one, there was, uh, well, he knows I like cookies. So there was a nice cookie at the end. I knew by this point he'd be hungry <laughs> after crying for an hour and reading 50 things. So I left him a cookie. And there, and there was a, and little note. a little note that said, Meet me downstairs. There's a no, car no, there's waiting a car for you. For you but there's a car waiting for you downstairs. It'll take you to where I am. You know, yeah. come find me. Yeah. So I went downstairs. I got in the car and it brought me to the pier over on 45th Street. And at the end of the pier, it was hard to miss. He was standing there with these 50 white balloons. And on each of those balloons were one of his reasons to marry me. Mm -hmm. His own reasons. So I got there and we read the 50 reasons together. And then he got down on one knee and proposed. And I said yes. And then he had also gotten a ring for me to propose to him with, so I got down on my knee and proposed to him. And then together we sort of lifted the balloons up and let them go into the sky over the Hudson River like God sort of taking our relationship up into his hands, and it was gorgeous. Our, our faith is really important to us, and you know, even though we're a gay couple, we're actually fairly traditional. And uh, we very much wanted the church, a mass, to be a part of our celebration for getting married. So what we ended up doing actually, you know, we tried to just make it all work. Uh, you know, it was important to us and for our family. So what we ended up doing was we had our civil ceremony at the time of our wedding. And then on the day of the wedding, it was really important for us to have a mass, to have a Eucharist, you know. So we just had all of our friends and family go to a mass on that day with us. And it wasn't about, uh, you know, it wasn't the sacrament of matrimony or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, but it was really important to us and it was very meaningful to all of our friends and family to share that for us, with us. We promised to each other to be faithful and loving until we die and we promised that in front of our family and we promised it honestly before God even though it wasn't the sacrament of matrimony and we would have both really preferred actually to have a priest officiate. It's very much imp important to us that, you know, through this testimony, the church just sees very naturally, uh, you know, our love, the celebration of our marriage, um, how much we care for each other, how much our family cares for us, and really is open-minded to embracing us, you know, as part of the community, because that, that faith and that part of the community is really important to us. I think that, you know, it's, it's hard because the whole pride movement, right, is, is about being visible. And sometimes that gets misconstrued. I think some people think that pride is just about celebrating your sexuality, which to mm. some extent it might be, but it really is about being visible. And I, I agree with Rick. I think that part of our notion here is to be visible. Part of why we would encourage people like us to continue being part of the church is to be visible. And I think the more that more people see us and see that we're normal, we're just like any other Catholic married couple, um, maybe they'll be more inclined to sort of drop that hesitation and that inclination of fear that they have uh, to wel welcoming us more fully into the church. All the basic tenets of faith are pretty much there in how we relate to one another, you know, loving each other, forgiving each other, you know, um, putting, I'm, I'm better than that. Putting others before, <laughs> he has to put me before him, no, <laughs> putting others before you. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's sort of just, that basic tenet of love and God being a part of everything, um, being good people, that's, that's sort of what we bring to each other. 
we just started the process of adopting and we're really excited about it. So we're doing what's called an independent adoption instead of an agency adoption and we essentially, with a lawyer's help, uh, market ourselves, put ourselves out there and explain our story to any mother that might be interested or parents who might be interested in finding to adopt their parents for their newborn. We would love to have two to three children. Um, both of us come from big families. I'm one of four siblings. Matt is, has two other brothers and his father actually has 12 brothers and sisters. Yeah, my grandma so had 12 very big families um, and they're only growing and I think that that, that sense of family um, has always been really important to us so we're excited about it. Faith is going to be a big role in our family's lives. Um, you know, right from the bat, we're very interested. We want our child to be baptized in the Catholic Church. Rick and I talk about it a lot. I have very fond memories growing up uh, with my faith. You know, I remember very vividly my mom singing to me, you know, hymns and songs from church and just remembering a, a very fond relationship, a loving relationship with God as a kid, I remember it. And I very much want to teach that to our kid. I want our kid to always know you know, obviously we are the support system for our children, but if for whatever reason they, they need more than that, God's always there. God's really always there. So even if they can't come to us, God's there and God loves them and they can always fall back on that. It's such a stabilizing, loving force through life that it's extremely important for us to mm -hmm. have for our children. I think we're, we both very much want our children to be raised in the Catholic Church. It obviously starts with baptism and it's going to go up through all the sacraments, but Fundamentally, we want them to have that relationship with God, with Jesus, with the saints. And if our kid ever did come out as gay or anything, you know, we're, we're speaking now about gay, but anything that was against maybe formal church teaching, I hope as a parent, as a faith community, we instill in our children a comfort with God, right? So that they can, no matter what their struggle is at that moment, they can rely on God's love for them and, and get through it. Know that whatever they're going through, whether it's being gay or whatever it is, God loves them and they'll be able to they'll be able to be faithful. They should be faithful and God wants to be with them through that and you know they can get through it with him and hopefully with their faith intact. So uh, several years ago, Father Gill approached us with a couple of other of community of gay members in the church. And um, we talked about we all had an interest in forming, you know, ministry, a gay ministry in the church. And um, I, I at first, for one, being part of that group was shocked mm -hmm. that, you know, we were considering starting that up. Um, didn't know how everyone else in the broader community was going to react. But we got everything together, designed a really nice logo, designed all sorts of events that we wanted um, to put out there to bring this community together at St. Paul's. And I still remember Matt at that first mass where he had to go up. At the end of the Mass, you know, all the different groups, the youth group and all the other different ministries give their announcements about this week's upcoming activities. And Matt had to go up there and I was just super nervous, you know, and in one of the pews looking up, wondering what the reaction was going to be at a very crowded, you know, 5.30 Mass. It's, you know, it's one of the more popular times. And um, he got up there, made the announcement, and everyone was supportive. They loved it. And they loved it. And I, the first event had it was packed. It was packed. So you know, many, a lot people of were attendance, there. and so clearly an still, interest. Yeah.